Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Have you ever had a dream that blended into your reality? In other words, you kind of go to sleep and you just keep kind of, you're, as you're going, you just kind of keep on going, like your dream just kind of takes over? This is literally the first dream that I can remember having. It probably happened somewhere between the age of five and seven, maybe. And uh, my, church, my, my family was very devout, church-going people. So you're probably going to think right now, I'm going to tell you a story about a dream I had about Christmas, you know, all the beautiful, and um, kind of, but not really. So this dream said it happened between five and seven, and out the, the little window in the bedroom that I was in, about maybe half a mile, mile away was a GE plant, and it was really lit up bright, and so it was like this bright light that would kind of come in through that window, so I kind of had my own built-in nightlight in that room. It kind of worked out pretty well. And I remember sleeping, I was on the top bunk, and I remember I was looking out, trying to go to sleep, right? You're like that, as a kid, it's so hard to go to sleep sometimes, right? You're just sitting there, and you're like, laying there trying to sleep, and I'm looking out the window, I'm looking at this light, and all of a sudden, the light starts coming closer to me. It's getting closer, and it's getting bigger, and it's getting bigger, right? And all of a sudden, it is an army of people out to get me because it is the last days. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you grew up in the Christian tradition, you know what I'm talking about. It's the last days, right? It's like they're coming to get you, and it's this time of trouble, and uh, you know, the worst, the worst, and, and I'm not even going to go into the details of that dream because, like, this is Christmas time. But let me just say that I am 48 years old and I still remember that dream. I still remember that happening. And it was because we were good church going people, and in the tradition I grew up in, they started, they talked all the time about the horrors that were going to happen. And isn't it amazing? that Jesus' first advent is joy to the world. It's the happiest time of the year. And Jesus' second advent is something worse than Halloween. Right? I mean, it's like, I know parents, I know parents that will not allow their children to trick or treat, but they'll let them read Fox's Book of Martyrs and be like, and that will be worse before Jesus comes back. I am one of those children. And um, my parents actually let me trick or treat. Mom, dad, if you're watching this, I love you. You are amazing parents. And they really, they really were. I'm being very serious about this. They were, they were, they were amazing parents. But that was, the, that was the tradition I grew up in. That was the, the, the community that I grew up in. And, um, and it's interesting how the things that we grow up in will really... I remember never wanting my children to have nightmares about Jesus coming back or something. I, I remember not... And so it, in some ways has been a part of, uh, as a pastor, when I started thinking, well, I'm going to have to start talking about how do I want to talk about this so that kids don't have nightmares. And, um, and do I even want to talk about it at all? I mean, do we even have to, right? Let's just love Jesus, right? Yeah? 
And, and so today, we're doing a series of, of sermons during this Christmas series, uh, Christmas time, um, called Come and See. And I told you last week, what we're really talking about, though, is we're saying, what lessons can we learn from Jesus' first advent that will help us as we're looking forward to his second advent? And so that's the question I want to pose today. Do we, do we just, just need to accept that Jesus' first advent was happy and joyful and the greatest time of the year? And Jesus' second advent is something we just need to just, it's just the polar opposite. So they're just, or was Jesus' first advent really, really super scary and we're just not understanding that? And something maybe we shouldn't have joy at this time of year. Maybe we should be afraid and, and have more sermons that were more scary because Jesus' second advent's that too. Or is there maybe something different? I find that Christians in general, and it doesn't matter which denomination you come from, every Christian group that I've come across has some kind of last day scary thing, whether your thing is like the left behind books, right? Or whether it's in my, in our, in our tradition here in the Seventh-day Adventist church, you know, other scary literature, right? You know what I'm saying? That, that kind of gets mailed out sometimes to people with beasts and things like that on. Anyway, whatever the case may be, I find that Christians kind of tend to have two extremes on this topic. And I'd like to go to a non-Christmas movie to, to tell you the two extremes, The Lion King. The first group of Christians I will call the Mufasa Christians. See if you can figure out why. Now that's power. Tell me about it. I just hear that name and I shut Mufasa. Do it again. Mufasa. 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 These are the people who I feel like, because we're not supposed to watch horror movies as Christians, this like, let's talk about the last days. Oh, say it again. Oh, so scary. Oh, say it again. Last days. Oh. <laughs> right? It's like they, this is some kind of joy out of thinking about how horrible things may be. Right? Mufasa Christians. Say it again. Ooh. All right, you know if I'm in the Lion King what the other group of Christians are, right? The other extreme? Yeah, you know that they are. Hakuna Matata. You can what sing along if you want. Phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. All right, some of you are bad Christians watching Disney movies. There we go. All right, you knew it. I was testing you. I was testing you. So that's the other side, right? The other side of the, of the, the aisle, if you will, on it is the Christians. Like, I just don't even want to think about the last days. I don't, I mean, Jesus will come back, yay, but let's not talk about anything about how that may happen Hakuna Matata. No worries, right? No worries. It'll be okay. Let's just, you know, you know, Revelation. Ah, Hakuna Matata. Um, Matthew 24. Hakuna Matata. You know, Jesus made a little mistake when he started talking. And, you know, just, let's not worry about that stuff. Let's just kind of move on. 
So family, here's the problem with both approaches to this. And the funny thing is that they actually lead to the same place. Whichever side you're on, it actually leads to the same place. Where does it lead? It leads you to where your focus is not. If you're a, and I, and, and can we just recognize there's people all over the spectrum here, right? But if you're on the Mufasa side of things, your focus is on how horrible things are going to be. And you are going to find yourself in a fear-based religion where you believe that you can save yourself. If you just study the Bible enough, if you just understand the prophecies enough, if you just bought the right piece of property out in the middle of nowhere, if you went ahead and put a bunker on below it, yeah, by the way, you do know the government knows where you're at, right? I mean, I'm just, I don't, I, I've never understood that. But anyway, if you're buying property, they know where you are. I'm just saying, just, just for those of you who are in doubt, okay? So, but it's about fear. It's about saving yourself. The Hunakuna Matata and if I'm being honest, this is the, the direction I tend to probably lean because I grew up over there. And we tend to naturally react to the things that were negative in our life that we don't like. And I, I've kind of found myself sometimes leaning over this way because I just, come on, I love Jesus. And so I'm afraid, going back to fear, I'm afraid that by taking the time to read God's word and studying that somehow God can't save me. And by saying hakuna matata, no worries, I'm saying I'm not putting my faith in Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in just not paying attention. It's fear on both sides. And you wind up in the same place with your focus not where it needs to be. So you're thinking to yourself, what does this have to do with Christmas? Everything. Let's talk about the wise men. Matthew chapter 2 is where the story is at. I'm going to go ahead and do a paraphrase of Matthew chapter 2. What that means is I'm going to tell it to you the way that I remember it, the way I've studied it. So you're more than welcome to go to Matthew 2 and make sure I'm telling the story right, okay? And if I make a mistake, you'll know I made a mistake, and I, you can send me an email about it later, okay? It's fine. I welcome them. There's a special button. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm, I'm kidding. I read them. I do. It's all good. It's all good. Matthew chapter 2, we find that magi, we often call them the wise men, but I'm going to use the word magi. Magi show up from the east. These are people who are intellectuals. These are people who study the stars. They, I told you last night, uh, last week, astrologers. These are, these are people who the Jewish people and, and Christian people today would have considered pagans. That's the, the little title we would have put on them. And these, these magi show up in Jerusalem and they say, we're here to worship the new king of the Jews. And this creates an uproar because everybody in Jerusalem knew that there was one king of the Jews at that point. His name was Herod. And Herod had a tendency to take out people that, that were a threat to him. If you're wondering what I mean by that, I mean, he actually killed one of his wives because he found out she was innocent and felt bad about it later. Uh, he killed three of his sons. 
Um, there were a number of other people who came to unusual ends. They just died mysteriously. One guy drowned in three feet of water. Um, so Herod's not, a, not one to take kindly to other, other potential kings of the Jews, if you will. He, he was serving under Rome's authority, but he still wanted to have the authority that he had, okay? And so this was a big thing for, for him. And so you can imagine when he hears that there are dignitaries from other countries there to welcome the new king of the Jews, he's interested. Bring them in. Let's talk. But he's also cunning and smart, and so he brings them in, and he says, so, what's going on, gentlemen? And the magi say, well, you know, we saw a star arise, and we know it's the sign of the king of uh, the Jews, and so we're here to uh, worship. What do we, what, tell us what we need to do. Here it goes, man, that's really interesting. I'm not a theologian, so if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and call it up Andrews University and ask for some uh, theologians to drop in on me, and uh, maybe we'll call up the general conference president and get a couple people in here, you know, some high-ranking uh, religious figures here, and see if they can kind of give you some answers, because I am just the lowly person who's in charge of this area. Some might call me a king, but you know what I'm saying. But if there's another king, we want to find, we want to, we want to find out about that. So let's call them in here. And so they called in these people and they go, yeah, 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 absolutely. There's definitely a prophecy that says that a star will rise and it will be in the place where the Messiah is going to be born is in Bethlehem. Every good theologian knows that. Now, whether that's this time, if this is the right time or not, you know, in Daniel, there's a prophecy about 70 weeks, so we're getting kind of close, blah, blah, blah. So they have their little theological talk, do what theologians do. And uh, at the end of it, uh, Herod goes, so what you're saying then is that if there is a new king, he's in Bethlehem. They're like, yeah, that's kind of what we're saying. And Herod looks at the magi and he says, hey, uh, guys, uh, man, man, uh, there's nothing more I'd like to do than come with you to find the new king of the Jews, like, Seriously, I'd just totally be into that. But I'm all tied up here. You know, if we're going to be transitioning governments, I've got some work I got to do to get ready for the transition. So why don't you guys go find him for me and then come back and let me know. And then I'll go worship him too and we can make that little transition. Now, I don't know. Seems to me like the Magi should have kind of figured out something wasn't quite right here, but they didn't. And they said, okay, sounds good. Let's do it. We're going to go find this king of the Jews. We're going to do it. Now, what's interesting in Matthew 2 is that it actually says that the star then continued on and stopped over the place where the child was, and the wise men worshiped. But then the story says that after they get done worshiping, by the way, how many wise men are there? Oh, trick question. We don't know. Um, we don't know. The reason why, by tradition, that we say that there are three is because they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, three gifts. And so we have traditionally said, well, that means there were three of them, but we don't actually know. In, in all reality, there are probably a lot. There are probably a number. So they worship the newborn, the, the, the newborn Jesus, who at this point was probably somewhere between a year and two years old. And then they, God appears to them and says, God says, speaks to them and says, do not go back and tell Herod. He's got bad plans. Go home a different way. And they listen to God, and they do what they're told. So, what are the lessons that we can learn from this story? Particularly as we're thinking about first advent, 
second advent? Well, the first thing that I think we need to understand is that, yes, God can lead us into dangerous places. I know that's a little bit uncomfortable. But you know what? God can put us in dangerous situations. That's what God does with the wise men. Here's why I say that. Why did the wise men show up in Jerusalem? Why didn't the star just start off over top of where Jesus was at? It's a sermon for another time. I have an answer for you. You can ask it in Q&A if you want. I believe there's a reason for it. But God could have taken them straight there. God puts them in a dangerous situation. And my experience is, is that God is not a tame God. God doesn't just hakuna matata our lives. Most of you have lived long enough to know that life can be hard. And that hard things can happen. And it's not fair to think that God won't put you in dangerous situations. If you read your Bible at all, there are a lot of people that God allows into some really dangerous places. And where the story doesn't end well in the human way of thinking. Okay? So the first lesson we need to take away from the, from the wise men is that God can put us in dangerous situations. The second lesson that I think that we need to learn is this one. Good liars can fool smart, godly people. I'm interested in the fact that it seems that sometimes when we focus on last day events, we think that if we're just smart enough, we can see through the lie. As someone who's bought a timeshare, You know what I'm saying. Smart people can be misled. Smart people can be misled. Smart people can be convinced to do things that aren't in their best interest. I don't care how smart you think you are, there is a scam artist out there with your name and your number and who knows exactly how to hit the right button to get you to buy whatever it is that they're trying to sucker you into buying. And if you think that just by your smarts, you can overcome, you need to meet my savior, Jesus. Because God will never fail or abandon us. In the story of the wise men, we see the wise men being tricked by Herod. They bought it. They, they were going to go back. And it wasn't their wisdom that prevented them from going back. It was God, a God that never fails, that never, never fails, that warns them not to go back. Family, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, you study the scriptures because you think in them you will find life, but you need to turn to me because that's where life is at. Yes, study the scriptures and keep your eyes on Jesus. Yes, and. Yes, and. Yes, and. So, 
Let's take a look at some last day uh, verses here. Matthew 24, verses 11 through 13. Many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. And because lawlessness is increased, many people's love will become cold. But the one who endures the end is the one who will be saved. Family, the biggest thing you need to worry about in the last days is where your love is at. If your love is growing cold and you're studying the Bible and you're reading the right books and you're doing, then you do not have your eyes where they need to be. Your love is is what matters. 1 Corinthians 13 spells out what love looks like. And we're also told, by the way, that perfect love casts out fear. So if you are living in fear of what's going to happen before Jesus comes back, You are not where Jesus wants you to be. You're not where Jesus wants you to be. Jesus doesn't want you to live in fear. He wants you to live in anticipation. The Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking, by the way, in both the the text before and this one. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and provide great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even elect. In other words, the deception is so great that the, even the very chosen of God, if that were possible. The Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary says that the way that the original language that this is written in is structured points out that it's not possible. In other words, as if. They would mislead, as if, the very elect. It can't happen. Why? Because of God. Because God is where their focus is at. They have their eyes on Jesus. And so they can't be misled. Not because they're smart, not because they're, but because they know Jesus and they're with Jesus. Jeremiah 30 uh, verses 7 and then the first part of verse 10. I want to read, in all of history, there's never been such a time of terror. And by the way, Jeremiah is writing to the people in his time. They're, They're about to be conquered by the Babylonians. But We often apply this to the last days of earth's history too. In all of history, there's never been such a time of terror. It will be a time of trouble for my people Israel. Yet, in the end, they will be saved. So do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, says the Lord. I just want to tell you that whatever comes before Jesus comes back ain't nothing to worry about. Because Jesus is able to save us. Jesus is there for us. Jesus is there with us. We do not need to fear or dismay. Jesus tells us, he's talking to his disciples in John 14. He's telling them that he's going to be crucified and died. And I think his words are true for them as they are for us right now. And I have told you before it happens, thinking back to Matthew 24, I've told you before it happens so that when it happens, you may believe. See, the problem with being a hakuna matata Christian and bearing your head and not looking at it at all is that you miss out on the belief that Jesus wants to give you. Jesus wants you to have confidence. And if the world starts falling apart, you go, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I'm not surprised. Jesus said, you know what else he said? He's going to be with me to the end of the age. He's going to say what he said before that, this verse in, Matthew, in John 14. 
My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. And so as the world falls apart and everybody else is freaking out because it's so scary, you're like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. I didn't fixate on it. I didn't worry about it. But this isn't a surprise. It just means Jesus is about to be here. Yay. Yay. For those of you who have experienced childbirth, and it was funny, after first service, I actually saw somebody who is, is due next week. And they said, they said, it's, they said, it's shocking how many people want to come up and tell you how awful childbirth is. Because I had made the comment, it's like, is that really what you want to be focusing on when you're having a baby? I mean, like, you get pregnant, you think, oh, well, there's going to be a baby, but man, the childbirth is going to be horrendous. It's going to be awful. Let's talk about tearing, and let's talk about, like, pain, and let's talk. Nobody wants to do that. And yet, you'd be foolish if you didn't do a little education. If you didn't say, what's the right prenatal care to make sure that I have a healthy baby? What are some breathing techniques that could be helpful during childbirth? What are my medical options? What hospital do I want to have this baby at? But if you just go, Hakuna Matata, the baby will come out. (laughs) Oh, it will. But it'll be a lot worse than it had to be. Family, Jesus' second coming, let's focus on the joy. Let's focus on Jesus coming back. Let's focus on the baby in the manger that was nailed to a cross and died so that you and I could have eternal life, but was raised to life that assures me of eternal life. So I don't have to be afraid and fear what's going to come in the future, but I can live in the peace and knowledge that the one that suffered for me will see me through anything I possibly could go through. I want to leave you with this Bible mashup. It's from Jeremiah 29, Deuteronomy 31. In Matthew 7, I've just mashed them all together. So here it is. Now here it is. I forgot to put my glasses on. I can't read the words in the back now. So anyway. This is Jesus' words to you as you think about Jesus' second coming. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, will you give them a a snake, or I'm sorry, a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who asked him. Jesus was the good gift at the first advent and Jesus is the second good gift at his second advent. And family, 
What will God do? He will never fail you. He will never abandon you. He will never let go of you. He will be with you if you are searching for him wholeheartedly. He will. Hi, Pastor Ken. Hi, Gabby. How are you? I'm well. Good, good. I love this part of the service. It's my favorite part, and I've really missed doing this. It is good to have you back in that chair. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Um, So we have a question from Erin today, and she starts off by saying that she thinks that fear really drives everything she does in some way. And how do you shift from that mentality when you don't know how to love correctly Or, you know, she says she looks at definitions in the Bible of love and tries to follow it almost like a manual or a checklist because she just doesn't know how to live any other way. What a, what a vulnerable question to ask. And I think that there are a lot of people that are watching this right now and that are here in, in our worship center that can really identify with that question that you kind of question, okay, I know the technical definition of love. I can, I've read 1 Corinthians 13, but how do I make that happen in my life? Right. How, do I, how do I move towards that? And the, the question is so good that it's hard to answer. <laughs> because um, if you ask me how to fall in love with my wife, I could tell you, I could tell you some things, but it'd also be hard to, to say this is, you know, as my children are growing up and they're like, you know, what is that? You know, how does that dad, you know, what does it mean to fall in love with somebody? Stuff like that. And you're like, well, you know, you have these feelings. And what we wind up doing is often mistaking feelings and the way that we feel for what love is or isn't. And so the first thing I would say is, Love is a choice to begin with. So that's one thing. And so the second is you fall in love with somebody by being with them. And when they have a, a character that matches with you, it just, if you've ever done a lot of dating and then you found that right person and everything that seems so hard before seems so much easier. It's just, mm-hmm. just clicks into place. And so my answer to you is spend time reading about Jesus. Spend time thinking about Jesus. Don't worry about the emotions that you're feeling. Tell yourself that you love Jesus. I know I love Jesus. I don't know whether I feel this, but I know that I do. I know that's my desire. I know that's what I want. And then trust that Jesus will lead you in that direction. I also want to go ahead and take a moment to say this. There's some of us who have gone through some really traumatic things, and there's a reason why we feel fear in a very deep and and hard to get out of place. And one of the things I would really encourage, if you find yourself just really struggling, find a good pastoral counselor Find a good Christian counselor and go talk to them about that. Go spend some time talking to the people that God has gifted with the ability to to provide advice and guidance and and let them help you find the way out of the fear. Uh, And oftentimes fear comes from spiritual abuse. It comes from being um, 
beat over the head with incorrect views of who God is. And that can take some time, just as it took time to, to ingrain it, it can take time to get out of it. And so don't beat yourself up if it isn't happening within a day or a year or two years. Just be on the journey and know that God has you on that journey. Okay. So like in summary. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, That's why I love you, Gabby. You're optimistic. <laughs> um, you know. It's the living in fear that's, you know, really where you're going to hinder yourself from yeah. being in, at peace, you know, but the feeling of it itself is human nature. So, to, you know, you know it's for me, if I'm just, again, I'm going to be vulnerable. It has only been in the last five or five to seven years that I've really found myself in a place of peace with God. And that's, that's long after I became a pastor. And it's, it's been a recent phenomenon to me where I don't, Good, where there were times in my life where I'd wake up panicking about whether I was saved or lost. And today I live in God's grace, knowing I'm absolutely unworthy of it, but just knowing that I can wake up and not panic because Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And I've come to him as imperfect as I am and Jesus won't cast me out. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Appreciate you, Gabby. All right, family. It's been a good, good Sabbath with you so far. We have more to come today, though. I really want to invite you to come back at 7 o'clock this evening. I know sometimes it's hard to go home. You get that, you know, Saturday afternoon nap going down, and you're like, ah, I'm not going to go anywhere in the evening. You want to come back. If you didn't have a chance uh, to hear our special musical guest that's going to be here this evening, you missed out. Um, you want to be here at 7 o'clock this evening. It's going to be, it's called Magical Moments, and it's going to be a really reflective time. Um, we we're talking about mental health, and one of our wonderful mental health professionals in our church um, is going to be talking to you a little bit about that, because the truth of the matter, even though this is the happiest time of the year, for some people, this is a time of the year where you really have to work through some deep emotions and things like that. And so we're really going to be talking a little bit about that this evening at 7. So I hope you'll be here for some good music, some good discussion, and, and what's going on there. So the great thing that's happening at 7 o'clock this evening. And then next week is our Christmas program, the, the Whole Life Christmas program. If you've never been a part of a Whole Life Christmas program, talk to someone who has. You want to be here for the Whole Life Christmas program. We've got choir. We've got orchestra. We've got amazing things. It's going to be, it is going to be a just, just amazing Christmas event for you to be a part of. So bring your neighbors, bring your friends. Everybody's welcome. Um, I can tell you're second service people, and that's okay. Be here early. Be here early and move to the center of the aisle because it is going to be packed. And if you want it to be less packed, first service next week, it might be worth waking up a little early for. I'll be here. So uh, I'll be here for both. So hope to see you next week. Um, whether it's first or second service, we're looking forward to worshiping with you and celebrating the God of the universe that became human. All God, all human. He is, the, you know, just come and see what God has done next week. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this season. We thank you that just as you brought joy at your first advent, we look forward 
to your second advent. We look forward to you coming back and making all things right. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, family, have a wonderful Christmas season. I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407 965 1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.